following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. All right, let's get to work. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, please open them up to 1 Samuel chapter 10. Uh, 1 Samuel 10 is where we're going to spend our time today. If you've got, uh, if you brought your own Bible, open it up. If you've got a phone or a tablet, open that up. If you uh, want those hardback black Bibles under every chair, you can open that up to page 232. If you're online with us, we love you. We're glad you're with us. You can click that little Bible tab or Google search, 1 Samuel chapter 10. That's where we're going to be. As you're turning there, I have a confession I would like to make this morning. Um, When I was a freshman in college, I changed my major three times in the first three weeks of college. Just there's my confession to you, okay? Three times in three weeks, uh, and, and, and here's why, okay? When it came time for me to graduate high school and go off to college, the question that was constantly asked of me was, what are you gonna major in? Right? You, you getting that already? What are you, you going to major in? What are you going to study? And that implied, what are you going to do with your life? Which is essentially the high school version of what do you want to be when you grow up? Right? We ask our kids that. And so what do you want to major in? Is like, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? And that was a lot of pressure to take in as an 18-year-old. And I had no idea what I really wanted to do with my life. Here's what I knew. I knew two things. I knew two things coming out of high school. I, I, I loved Jesus. I had just gotten saved at the end of high school. And so I knew I loved Jesus. And the other thing that I knew is that I wanted to be in a rock band. (laughs) That's all I knew. Like I I wanted to either like write music and be a singer songwriter, like be in a rock band, like something with music. It's like, I didn't know how these things fit together. Like Jesus and music, where did they collide? And a mentor of mine, he said, hey, Chris, why don't you go to college to study music, but make it a Christian college and you can maybe do music ministry? I was like, all right, that sounds great. Crowder had just released his first album. He had this like big old beard. I was like, I'm in on that. I can do this, you know? So I went to CCU uh, for their music ministry program. And it was a bit of a shock to me when I got there, when I realized the first week of school that the music ministry degree at CCU was more focused on traditional church music, like, like choirs and orchestras, okay? Like doing this, okay? And I was not really interested in waving my hands. I wasn't charismatic uh, at that point. So, um, so I, I, I decided eh, I probably need to drop this major pretty quick. So in week two, first day of week two, I walked to the admin building and I changed my major to undeclared, which is what every college freshman should declare as undeclared. Because listen to me, y'all, college students, you have no idea, okay? You have no idea. All right, so, so I, uh, I was undeclared in week two, and another thing happened in week two that was really exciting. Uh, I, I started taking a couple of Bible classes my first year, my first semester, and I had been, ra- I was raised in the public schools, so I had never taken a Bible class before in my life, and now hear me, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with studying the Bible academically, like the first week of school, the second week of school. So at the the first day of week three of college, I went back to the admin building. I changed my major from undeclared and became a theology major right then and there. And so, yes, I will admit it. I changed my major three times in three weeks. They knew my name 
before they even had to look me up in the admin building. And I, I will also, the, the confession continues because I changed my major four times when I was in seminary as well. So I just might have a problem, right? <laughs> I just might have a problem. Um, here's the question. How do you know God's will for your life? How do you know what, what you wanna be when you grow up or what God would want you to be when you grow up? Like, how do you know? It seemed, when I became a Christian, it seemed like every Christian I met knew God's call for them. Like, knew God's will. I'm called to be a teacher. I'm called to be a lawyer. But I was so confused about what God's call was for me, and so I just kept flipping and flopping and trying things, and I, it just took me a while to figure these things out. And today, in our text, in 1 Samuel chapter 10, we get part two of our story from last week. So if you were with us last week, last week was a story all about lost donkeys that wasn't at all about lost donkeys, right? I mean, we saw that last week. God providentially bringing Saul to meet the prophet Samuel and Samuel revealing that Saul, in fact, would be the first king of Israel. And that's where we left it off last week. Week And today in our text, in 1 Samuel 10, we're going to pick up right there, okay? So if you have your text open, we're going to start in 1 Samuel 10. Actually, um, I said last week that we were going to talk 1 Samuel 9, 27. So we're going to start back one verse, 9, 27, and then into chapter 10. As they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to pass on before us, and when he has passed on, stop here yourself for a while that I may make known to you the word of God. 10.1. Then Samuel took out a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people, Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord and you will save them from the hand of their surrounding Enemies. Let's stop right there, mid-verse. Let's stop here. If there was any confusion last week or what we've just read before about what God was calling Saul to be, it's all cleared up at this point. Cracks open some oil, splashes that dude with it and says, you're gonna be the king. You're gonna be prince over God's people. Samuel in this moment, privately, secretly as it were, anoints Saul to be the king. So so Saul doesn't have to wonder like, hey, what's God's call for my life? Right here. This is, this is what God is calling him to be the king. But, but there's still a journey, as we're going to see in this story. There's still this journey for Saul to actualize that calling. And I think this journey has some applicable points then for us in, in our discernment of what God is calling us to do. So let's finish up verse 1, and we're going to go all the way through verse 6. So the rest of 1 through 6. This shall be the sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. Verse two, when you depart from me today, you will meet two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they will say to you, the donkeys that you went to seek are found. And now your father has ceased to care about the donkeys and is anxious about you saying, what shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on from there farther and come to the oak of Tabor. Three men going up 
to God at Bethel will meet you there, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you, and they will give you two loaves of bread, but they'll keep the wine for themselves. Doesn't say that, but that's what happened, okay? They'll give you two loaves of bread, which you shall accept from their hand. Verse five, after that, you shall come to Gibeah Elohim, where there's a garrison of the Philistines. And there, as soon as you come to the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harp, tambourine, flute, and lyre before them, prophesying. Then the spirit of the Lord will rush upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Okay. When it comes to Saul's calling to become the king of Israel, Samuel gives him three assurances. He makes three prophecies. He kind of gives him three signs so that, so that Saul knows this is actually a legit thing. These are the th- three things that are going to happen so that he knows, hey, in fact, it's not just some crazy old prophet throwing some oil on my head, but I'm actually indeed called by God to be the king. And so all three of these things are going to come true. The three predictions. Samuel predicts that Saul's going to meet two men who say the donkeys have been found. Mystery of the donkeys solved. Okay. So close the book on chapter nine. Second, Samuel predicts that three more men are going to meet Saul with three goats, three loaves of bread, one skin of wine, and they're only going to give you two of those loaves of bread, which is by the way, an incredibly precise prediction. It's not like, ah, you might bump into somebody at the airport that has brown hair. It's like, no, he's got three things. He's going to give you two of them. He's going to keep the wine back for himself. And there's some goats like, oh, all right, that's, that's impressive. But then the third prediction is that Saul's going to meet up with a group of prophets who are essentially doing some sort of prophetic worship service at this point, okay? They're playing music. It lists their instruments. Uh, The book of Chronicles or the books of Chronicles make it clear that part of the prophesying of of prophets in Israel was like singing and making music to the Lord. And so uh, this is not the same sort of prophecy as uh, what we're seeing from Samuel, like where he's actually speaking over a future, like future casting for Saul. This is a little bit different. It's more like a gifted worship service that he's kind of bumping into these guys, but it says that the spirit of God will rush upon Saul and that he will then prophesy with them. Like he's just gonna join the band. He's gonna join the worship team. That's what is gonna happen. And it's the prophecy over him. And, I, and, and it's here I wanna make my first point, okay? Here's my first point. What God calls you to, he'll confirm in you. Whatever it is God is going to call you to do, he's going to give you something to confirm that calling for you. Now, it probably won't happen. I'll just, not even probably. It ain't going to happen like this. You aren't Saul and your friends aren't Samuel, okay? It's just not going to happen like this. You're not going to have a prophet predict all these things, three goats, three loaves of bread, some wine, like probably not going to happen that way, okay? But back to what we talked about last week. God will very often use ordinary, everyday, kind of normal events and occurrences to show us, to assure us, to confirm to us what he has for us, that he is for us, that he is with us. Like everyday 
things. All the, we talked about this last week. All those just so happened things in your life, they're, they're not simply coincidence, okay? He's going to confirm the calling, and it'll come in a myriad of different little ways. So let me illustrate with my story, okay? When, when I started to discern that God was leading me to plant this church, so m- more than seven years ago, uh, when, when we decided we were going to plant this church, there were just a number of things that kind of confirmed that call in my life. Just kind of conf- confirmations, okay? Here's the first one. Marcy and I, uh, so, so long before that, we were dating in college, CCU, go Cougs, all right? Uh, we were in college. It's the Harvard of the West, right? And, uh, and I had first heard in college about church planting. Never, I never knew how churches came about. I just assumed they were always kind of there. And then in college, I learned about church planting. Like people started churches. And I was like, that sounds great. I'm interested in that. I might like to do that. Now, I was 19, so I had no business doing it at that point. But I, I just kind of got in my brain. And I remember we were dating in college. And I went to her and I said, hey, you know, babe, at some point maybe in the future, at some point, I think I might want to plant a church. And she says to me, not if you marry me, you ain't. I can't remember if she said ain't or not. It doesn't sound like her. That sounds more like me, but that's neither here nor there. See, Marcy's problem was that uh, she just wasn't as in tune to the voice of the Lord uh, back then. She just didn't hear it as quickly, okay? Okay. Uh, uh, but, but if you know the story, we, we did get married, right? So praise the Lord for that. Uh, we got married, and every year or so during our marriage, uh, I'd get this church planting bug, like this desire to start a church. And so I'd go to her, and I'd ask her about it, and she would shoot it down every single time, just sweet and loving. Nope. Put the kibosh on that thing over and over again until she eventually submitted to the Holy Spirit. Um, and we can all thank her for that. So, um, but I'm... All joking aside, honestly, a big confirmation for me in discerning God's call on my life to plant a church was her. It was her. I was not going to step out and do this thing unless she was all in. And seven and a half years ago, she, she felt the spirit nudging her to say, it's time to do this. So that was a confirmation. It was a confirmation of that call. It's part of how we discerned it. But there was more, okay? Another thing, while I was preparing to plant the church, uh, there were a select few men who I placed myself under. I, I, I literally met with them and I said, I am placing myself under your authority. Those are the exact words that I used. And I sought wise counsel from these guys and essentially asked them to tell me as it is. Like, am I hearing from God correctly or am I just missing the boat entirely on this one? And these are men who I trusted and these are men who I believed would prayerfully seek the Lord and tell me the hard thing if, if I was missing something here. And I, I told them, if you tell me not to do this, I will not do this. I submitted myself under their authority. And to those men, to a T, who I placed myself under their authority, they all confirmed, yeah, Chris, we, we actually do see this in you. We think this is something the Lord might have for you. Second confirmation. But then the third confirmation was a little bit more, I think, incredible. It, it feels this way to me, but I was meeting with some friends, asking them to pray about joining this church plant. I mean, when you've got nobody, you're just like, anybody? Anybody want to join me? How many sermons have you preached, Chris? Six? 
yeah, that sounds like a great idea. We should do this. We should start a church. Like, no, it wasn't a great idea. But I, I was sitting meeting with this couple and, and this gal who I was meeting there, uh, I'd known her for, for years since college. Uh, and I told her about the church plant idea that God had kind of laid it on my heart. And I was starting to sense that this might be something we should do. She told me, hey, hold on a second, Chris. And she ran off and she got her prayer journal and she brought it back into the room and she opened it up to, a, to an entry from like two, two and a half years earlier. And she showed me that was when she started praying that I would leave the church I was at to, to plant another church. She'd never mentioned this to me before, this moment. And so it's just this, this is weird confirmation. It's like, I'm not a big like sign and wonders kind of guy, like looking behind every bush for like the Holy Spirit burning things. But like, it was one of those burning bush moments where it's like, maybe God has this for me, like a confirmation in just kind of everyday, ordinary life. See, God probably isn't calling you to something that no one else confirms in you. I'm hoping I'm not shutting down some spirits when I say that, but listen to me. It's like the American Idol thing. You get up there and you say that you can sing and then you sing and you've got no business singing. And Simon is like, has nobody ever loved you enough to tell you that you shouldn't sing? Listen, God probably isn't calling you to something that no one else confirms in you. This is why the community of the church is really important in discerning your call. In discerning your call. So you'll have to look at your life and ask, where has God shown me that I'm called to these things? What God calls you to, he'll confirm in you. That's the first point. Now, that's not it, okay? That's not it in this text. We are going to keep going. Actually, what I'd like to do is skip verses seven and eight. We've read one through six. We'll come back to seven and eight, but let's pick up in verse nine. So 1 Samuel, Samuel 10, verse nine. When he turned his back to leave Samuel, so that's Saul, God gave him another heart. And all these signs came to pass that day. So, so all that text that we just read, all those three signs, okay, the two guys with the message about the donkeys, three dudes with bread, okay, the prophet band, that all comes true that day. But then interestingly, from here on in verse 10 and following, they only mention the third miracle, the third prophecy deeper. So look at verse 10. When they came to Gibeah, behold, a group of prophets met him and the spirit of God rushed upon him and he prophesied among them. So there it is. All that they said is happening. Verse 11. And when all who knew Saul previously saw how he prophesied with the prophets, the people said to one another, what has come over the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And a man of the place answered, and who is their father? Therefore, it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? And when he had finished prophesying, he came to the high place. All right. Saul is given this miraculous ability to prophesy with this prophetic worship team thing. And likely, Saul just busts out in song with them. Right, he sees these guys coming down. He's like, hey, you got an extra tambourine? I'm in on that thing, right? Like, check this thing out. Like, he just jumps right in. But the people are shocked. The people are shocked because this wasn't the kind of thing that Saul did, right? It's like Saul couldn't sing. He was that goofy dude on American Idol. And then all of a sudden, 
The spirit rushes on him and dude is just belting it out and hammering it. Like he can do it. And this is what I want to make my second point this morning on, right? What God calls you to, he'll equip you for. Yeah, what he calls you to, he'll confirm in you, but what he calls you to, he will equip you for. He'll give you the ability to do the things that he's calling you to do. Saul is equipped. He's equipped miraculously here by God's power to carry out this calling that's come upon him. And, and I just want you to note here, this, is, this should be encouraging to all of us. God doesn't call Saul because he's already equipped. You see that? He doesn't make him prophesy because he went to prophecy school. Like he went to school for that and he studied prophecy and he took choir there and he was a master and tambourinist. That's not why he picks him. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. There's a huge difference there. He equips for the calling that he gives. And listen, it's not just for kings in the Old Testament. Sometimes we might be shocked. You might even be staggered by the calling that God puts on certain portions of your life. He might call you so far outside of your comfort zone, you're like, there is no chance I could ever do that. Tambourine, you kidding me? I got no rhythm. But this seems to be the point. No one thinks Saul can even handle this. They're all shocked. Did you read that? Everybody is shocked. Saul has no business with these prophets, but God then equips him for the calling that he gives. Okay, so again, another story for me. A number of years back, I got uh, the invitation to my 10-year high school reunion, okay? Now, actually, I've got uh, my 20-year coming next year, so that'll, you can do the math, okay? But um, at the time, I was working as a youth pastor at a church, um, and frankly, in this moment, when I get this invitation to my 10-year reunion, um, ministry was going really well for me, really well as a youth pastor, okay? I'd seen a, a number of kids come to Christ. I'd grown this program, grown the ministry. I got to baptize these students. It was really cool. We saw families restored. I mean, things that I felt proud of in my ministry, like felt good about what the Lord had called and, and confirmed in me as I was doing this ministry, but then I can distinctly remember getting the invitation to my high school reunion. And I, and I, Marcia and I sat down on our back porch at the time. And I, and I just confessed to her that I felt this fear and this guilt that came over me when I read the invitation to my high school reunion, like just in the pit of my stomach, I felt fear and I felt guilt and I felt shame. You see, before I got saved, when I was in high school, I was really a train wreck. My life was really a mess. I mean, I told you last week about getting arrested. That was just like the cherry on top of things that I was a part of. And I just felt like when I got that reunion invitation, I just felt like someone, I walk into that reunion, I could picture myself walking into my high school reunion and someone was gonna say, Chris, you're a pastor now? after what you did to me in high school? And I would have no justification. Because listen, I know who I was in high school. I know who I was. And, and I, 
had nothing to justify, to back it up. Like, like if you knew me in high school, you'd know I'd have no business working at a church. Like if you knew me in high school, you'd know that I had no business talking about Jesus. If you knew me in high school, you'd know that the church would call it all together. They'd hear the stories. They'd vote unanimously. We're sorry, you are not pastoral material. Goodbye. And listen, I had no excuse for it because I knew that was all true. I remember high school. Some of it, okay? It's the thing I prayed that that God would never pull me, let me go back to. It's the, it's the thing I'd hope, like I just, I had this hope. I hope I never run into people from high school because <laughs> I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. And that's why this text says that it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? You could say that. Is Chris also among the pastors? That would have been the proverb that would have been at my 10-year reunion. You've been there? Our pasts can leave us paralyzed with fear, with guilt, with shame. Those things that that you've done or have been done to you can just leave you paralyzed. You can't move forward. What are the, I mean, think with me for a second. What are the things that you've done? What's the thing that's been done to you that that when you are in church and you start to feel God, you start to feel something welling up in you and you just wanna, you wanna worship, you wanna, you wanna sing out, you wanna lift your hands, but then there's this little voice that goes inside you and it's like, really? You? You remember what you did with those hands? Yeah, yeah, put those down. What is it that keeps you faking it? The thing that, as you're trying to fall asleep at night, you, it's gnawing at you. If people just really knew, if people really knew, they would never love you. They'd never accept you. They'd kick you out. They'd show you the door. What is that thing? What's her name? What's his name? What's the event? What's the thing that you did? What was the thing that was done to you? I'm hammering this because, listen, our pasts, Is Saul also among the prophets? That past experience, it can paralyze you with fear or guilt and shame, or or listen, both. And you can fail to step into the calling that God has for you. But what God calls you to, he will equip you for. See, the good news of the gospel is that the old Chris High school Chris, that Chris doesn't exist anymore. Like the good news of the gospel is that the Chris from high school has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer he who lives, but Christ who lives in me. That's a different Chris, right? That Chris has been called, called to follow Christ myself, but then called to call others to follow Christ. And if you're in Christ, the same is true for whatever the past you have is. There's this account of St. Augustine that helps us with this point, okay? Uh, if you're really cool, you say Augustine. All right, Augustine, Augustine, don't matter. If you've been to seminary, you call him Augustine. But before he was a Christian, if you know the story, Augustine was uh, pretty much a sex addict. 
if you knew that, uh, he's a saint, but he was literally involved with prostitution. He has illegitimate children ascribed to him. Lots of really messy stuff in his past. But the story goes that after uh, Augustine or Augustine was converted, uh, he met an old girlfriend, an old fling out in the streets. He met her and, and she came up to him and she goes, Augustine, how are you? A little, you know, seductive in her manner. And he said, I'm, I'm, he didn't want to be rude. He's like, I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good to see you. I'm fine. He's cordial, but then he just kind of turned and walked away and none of the kind of slobbering that he used to kind of do when he saw this woman. And so, so she wondered, I wonder if he just didn't recognize me. I just wonder, maybe he didn't know who I was. Maybe I was wearing my mask. I should take the mask off, right? Like maybe that was what's going on. And so, so she followed after him and she said, Augustine, Augustine, it's, it is I. And the account goes that Augustine turns and he says, yes, I know, but it is not I. What God calls you to, he'll conform, confirm in you. He'll confirm it. And then don't let your past failures get in the way because what he calls you to, even if it's unfathomable that he would call you to that with the past that you have, he'll equip you for it. He'll equip you for it. All right, I said I would go back to seven and eight. Let's circle back to verses seven and eight. This is right after Samuel makes the predictions over Saul and right before he goes on and meets the prophets and joins the band, okay? Verse seven, chapter 10, verse seven. Now, this is Samuel still talking to Saul. Now, when these signs meet you, do what your hand finds to do for God is with you. Then go down before me to Gilgal and behold, I'm coming down to you to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait until I come to you and show you what you shall do. Verse seven and eight are easy to skip over, but I think they're the crux that get us to bridge between Samuel's prophecy and, Samuel, or, and Saul actually becoming the king, the, 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 the prophet joining that worship band because it's very interesting, okay? Saul is not told after, the, after he said, here's the three prophecies, the three things that are gonna happen. Samuel doesn't tell Saul to go find the two donkey guys. And he doesn't tell him to go find the three dudes with the three loaves and the goats and the wine. He doesn't tell him to go find them. And he doesn't tell him, hey, go find those prophets and then play some tambourine with them. He just tells him, you go. You go to Gilgal. The command for him is to go to Gilgal, wait for Samuel, and then he says, go and do all that your hand finds to do. It's a little cryptic, but I think it's important. See, what God calls you to, he'll confirm in you. And what God calls you to, he'll equip you for. But finally... What God calls you to, he'll require you obey. Obedience is required of Saul. What's required? Obedience. 
Don't go, you don't need to go find those guys. You don't need to manufacture this. You don't have to figure out, read a book on prophecy while you're out there trying to figure out how to be a prophet. He's like, no, you just go. Just obey what God's telling you. God's call is actually often simpler than we try to make it out to be. Really, it is, okay? We try to manufacture, and God simply says, go. You go with me, do what I say, and then do whatever your hand finds to do. I mean, I think that's fascinating. It's obedience that's necessary here. Nothing more. I mean, so often I, I meet people who, who ask me about God's call or God's will for their life, and they're wanting like a word from the Lord. They want to know what, what's God's call for me? What's God's will for me? God, just tell me what to do. Give me a new word. And, and listen, I, I hear this from people, and I just want to say, some of you don't need a new word from the Lord because he's already spoken to you. You don't need a new word. You need to go back to the word. And you actually need to obey God's word completely and see where that leads you and then do whatever your hand finds. I mean, sometimes people tell me, Chris, I just don't feel God. I'm not hearing God. I don't know what he wants for me. And I'll very quickly respond with, well, are you in his word? Are you spending any meaningful time with Christ reading the words of God for you? Are you obedient to the things that he has already said to you? Why would you ever think that he would say something new to you if you're not even doing the things he's already told you to do? I do think God can speak and call to us specifically. Hear me in that. I do think he will speak and call specifically to us, but he will never do so if you're not first firmly rooted in the general call of every believer to know him through his word. God has commanded every believer. He's commanded, he's called every believer to some things we don't even have to argue about. We don't have to debate about this. Are you gathering with a church and worshiping there? Are you using your gifts to serve that body, to edify and to build up God's people? Are you sharing the gospel with those around you? That don't mean you've got to get a bullhorn and a sign and go to Broncos games. I'm just saying with people around you, do they even know you're a Christian? Are you praying? Are you digging deeper in your own faith journey? Are you doing these things? Stop looking for God's specific word for you if you haven't been faithful for his, with, with his written word that's been given to you. God confirms Saul's call, but before he's going to equip him to prophesy, he's going to have to obey. He's going to have to go. The order is God calls him and confirms it, but then Saul must obey in order to be equipped to become the king. That order is really important. It's really important. I think the same is true for us. Yeah, there might be some complexity to your specific calling, right? What should I major in? Who should I marry? Like, these are things to think through, to work through, yes. But basically for every one of us, our primary calling is to fully submit to the word of God. Every one of us. 
in all of our lives and then do whatever your hand finds to do. It should take some of the pressure off. There's this really fascinating verse in Deuteronomy chapter 10 uh, that I think if you're a Bible memorizer, you should memorize, okay? Uh, put it to memory. It was read, what was read over us. Joel read this over us this morning. I'll put it on the, the screen. This is life verse material, people, from the book of Deuteronomy, okay? Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 6, or 12 through 13, sorry. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding for you, uh, commanding you today for your good. That's it. What's God's call on you? What's God's will for you? Do those things right there. That's all that God demands. Fear him, walk in his ways, love him, serve him, keep his commandments. That's God's will for you. I know God's will for you. You know God's will for you now. That's God's will for you. Now, listen to me. That's incredibly difficult. <laughs> Just follow the Lord in all your ways. <laughs> Anybody tried that? That's hard. But let's not pretend it's complex. It's infinitely hard and it's infinitely simple. Obey him. Obey his word. This is God's will for us. See, so often people think that God's call is some sort of secret knowledge that they need to somehow mysteriously find. I got to find God's call, God's will for me. No, your call is to be obedient. You don't need any more knowledge. You don't need to know anything else. Obey his word. That's all you need to know. See, here's the, the thing about obedience. Obedience is, is not rooted in knowledge. Obedience is rooted in trust. I'll explain this. But obedience is not rooted in more knowledge, some sort of secret knowledge about what God's will is for you. Obedience is rooted in trust. You don't need more knowledge. You need to trust God more. Let me explain, okay? I'll illustrate with this. Parents, you know all about this one, okay? Because obedience is not rooted in knowledge and trust, imagine you want to surprise your children or your child with something fun. You want to take them on a fun outing. You want to take them to uh, the park or the zoo or, you know, God help you, Chuck E. Cheese, all right? If you're into that kind of depravity, whatever. Um, and so you go up to your child and it's down playing on the ground, playing with some Legos or something. You're like, hey, buddy, um, can you put the Legos away and then get your shoes on because we're going to go. And then, you know, you go off and you get your stuff ready to go and you come back a couple of minutes later at, and little buddy is just sitting there playing with his Legos and you're like, okay, it's a training moment. Hey, okay, buddy, what did I ask you? What did I ask you? He's like, to put my Legos away. You're like, and, and, and put on my shoes. Yes, I asked you to put on your shoes, put your Legos away. We've got to go. I've got a great surprise. You start to bait them. I've got a great surprise for you. So just do what I say. So then you, you back out of the bedroom. Uh, you go to check on your wife who's having just as much trouble putting on her shoes. Um, <laughs> different reason. Okay, different reason. But uh, you're like, babe, just pick one, right? Okay, pick a pair. But, but she finally puts on her shoes. You've got your shoes on. You come around the corner to your child's bedroom, just about to head downstairs to get this fun adventure going. And you see little buddy 
with Legos on the floor, one shoe on, and he's filling the other shoe with Legos. Does this happen to anybody? Okay? And you snap. You snap. You lose your mind. Get your shoes on. Put those Legos away. Get in the car. We're going to go have fun. Right? Then you have to repent. You have to repent for losing your temper. But, but listen, like, if little buddy knew that Chuck E. Cheese was coming, bro would be in the car, strapped in, 12-point harness, helmet on, like ready to go, both shoes on the correct feet. His Legos would be organized by size, shape, and color. Like, it'd all be done. But what he needed was to trust you. He didn't need that information. He needed to trust you as his parent that you had his best in mind. In order for Saul to be equipped... In order for the call of God to be confirmed in him, he has to obey. And that means he's going to have to take God at his word. Go. There'll be some dudes that'll tell you about a donkey. There'll be three guys, three goats, three bread, one wine. There's going to be some prophets and you're going to play in the band. He says, go. But he has to obey it. Man says, how are you doing at this? How are you doing at the whole trust thing? Everybody wants to know God's will for their life, but, but how are you doing at that whole, like, God, I don't know what it is, but, but I want to trust you. How are you doing? Are you wanting more information before you're willing to obey? You want God to just line all these things up and, and, and equip you for all this stuff and kind of make the plan crystal clear before you're willing to obey him, before you're willing to take him at his word? What are you waiting for? See, what, what God calls you to, he'll confirm in you and he'll equip you for, but he's gonna require you to obey him to get there. And I'll just say this to close. What that means for, for me personally is that now I can stand here and I, I can say from this stage with this face mic as someone who has a past, that if someone were to walk in here from my high school and they get up here and they say, hey, I knew Chris back in high school, he was a jerk. He, he was a real piece of work. Is Chris also among the pastors? And I could, I, I would feel very awkward in that moment, okay? Just, yeah. But, um, but I could honestly, in that moment, I could, I could say, hey, come on up here. And take this face mic off and put it on that dude and just say, tell him. You tell him. Yeah, there's some kids in here, so like, don't tell them everything, but just tell them, you know? You see, in the end, none of us are qualified. Saul wasn't qualified for this. In the end, none of us are worthy. In the end, none of us are ready for God's call. Not one of us. Every single one of us has stories. Every single one of the stories that somebody would come and tell about me are true. They're true but the power of my God has freed me from them and he will free you as well. He's calling you. The question isn't what he's calling you to, it's have you obeyed? Take that from our brother Saul among the prophets. Let's pray together. Lord, we bless you. We bless you for this story thousands of years old. We bless you for these lost donkeys. We bless you for three guys with three loaves of bread. We bless you for a band of prophets. 
Lord, we thank you that, that it, this story has been preserved for us because what it shows us is, is that you do call your people and you confirm those things in us. And you will even equip us to do the crazy things that you've called us to. But what we see snug in the middle of this is that you call us first to trust you. Before everything is worked out, before all of the promises are fulfilled, before the equipping comes, you call us to trust, to obey, to follow, to heed your word. I pray we take that from this story. Lord, reveal to us where in our lives we are being disobedient, where there are things that you have called us to, but we have not yet actualized those callings because we have not been faithful to your revealed word. Reveal those things to us and Holy Holy Spirit, empower us to repent of those things, to confess and repent and turn and, and obey, to fully submit, to fully trust you. I don't know what that is for my friends here today. Holy Spirit, I pray you be the true preacher of Fathom Church. Talk to us, reveal to us, convict us and empower us to live as the men, the women, the students that you have called us to be. Lord, we love you. We bless you in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen.